Hello. Welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast, where we discuss mindful movement through dance and through life. Today, I have a conversation with Regina Lustre. She is the director of PD and also currently doing personal fitness training. And I meet up with her weekly over Zoom in order to maintain my physical fitness. And I thought she had a lot of good insights about why maintaining your physical fitness is important, both as a human being and as a dancer, and how that can even enhance you in your dance creative journey. We also talk about her personal journey with PD, with directing, and overall, it was just a very good conversation. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast. Today, we have Regina Luce Trey. Um, she directs PD, and she is my personal trainer, That she, she and she trains me over Zoom. So it's been a really great time, and that's why I wanted to have her here, because we're here to talk about the dancer-athlete mindset. So give a little introduction. Tell us who you are. My name is Regina. I am 24 years old. I have been directing PD for about three and a half years now. Um, I've been a part of Project D since 2008. I'm also a personal trainer currently trying to go into uh, strength coaching and also functional movement coaching. Uh, I am also a student of massage therapy, still waiting to take my license exam, but uh, I also have that. Wild. Because I feel like I'm more based in SoCal. Um, Just a little two tippets about PD. So Project D is a dance company that was formed in 2004. We special, not specialize, but we just do uh, choreography, hip hop, with a little touch of any style that our member brings in. So probably like ballet, jive, contemporary, all that stuff. Uh, we compete, we have competed in Cali actually, probably like twice now. Uh, hopefully coming back whenever this whole spiel is done. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that introduction. And now we're going to go a little bit more into um, what is physical fitness? Let's start there. So physical fitness is really a combination of a lot of things. Main thing that people know of is strengthening. So people lifting weights, going to the gym, doing using machines, dumbbells, all that stuff. That's a more common way of explaining what physical fitness is but there's other things involved including balance training core training power training speed and agility stuff like that so there's a lot that comes into physical fitness and what i specialize in is probably a combination of everything i focus a lot on performance enhancement so for dancers at least performance is when we're on stage the final product of something we've been practicing for a long time and what my job is basically is to make that performance a lot stronger, a lot deeper, and then also just making sure that everyone is physically okay, uh, reducing injury, preventing injury, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess like, how is what you do different from somebody just like continuously 
drilling their pieces or like, you know, doing dance drills? The core of what I do is based on our body. So how I emphasize fitness training to my fellow dancers is that our body is basically a dancer's tool, even not a dancer. Sorry. It's our tool of life. As human beings, we use this body 24 seven period. Exactly. (laughs) And Um, What I like to emphasize is that the more that we strengthen our body, remove restrictions. So when it comes to like hip mobility or people trying to dance bigger, that all comes from our body's flexibility, mobility, strength, all that stuff. So I feel like when dancers want to improve as a dancer, it's not just taking class because that's, yes, that's, that's a very important thing class. Um, increasing the knowledge that you have, uh, dance knowledge, dance repertoire. But if your body is not able to do anything with that knowledge, then it's kind of pointless, you know? So I like to emphasize that our body is our tool. Yeah. And so like what you do, would you say that's like comparable to sharpening a tool? Yes. Uh, not just sharpening, because maybe sometimes we need a duller knife to do things but more so creating a tool that is pliable, being able to be used in many different situations and not just one or two. Love that. I know that from our training that there's, you know, a difference in the way that we maintain balance or use power. Uh, Can you break down those like different aspects for us and then like how to maybe improve on some of those things? When I balance training, what else? When I train balance, <laughs> gotcha. a lot of it is like being on one leg, trying to balance on two different limbs. A lot of it is just training mind-body connection. When dancers are probably standing on one leg trying to hold a pose, like where in our body are we trying to tighten or loosen so that we can maintain that balance on that one leg? That's just like it's active thinking when it comes to balance training. So I think... When dancers are weight shifting or, again, when they're trying to stand on one leg or trying to maintain a pose in a very awkward situation, Mm -hmm. situation pose, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just being able to connect or to actively think where my body needs to tighten or where it needs to strengthen so that you can maintain what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So that's, again, a lot of unbalanced training. When it comes to power training, a lot of that is just being able to go from zero to 100. So when we see dancers nowadays, we're, especially through videos, people are just like, wow, they have so much power. I can feel that, like, from the stage, people in the audience are just like, wow, I feel that person's presence and power. That a lot of that, again, comes from, well, one, facials, (laughs) the general performance aspects. But then if the body can portray that power, uh, without one looking tired and then one burning or two burning out, that's where that power training comes in. It's really like a combination of strength and cardio. That's honestly what dancers need: <laughs> strength and cardio. Because a lot of honestly, a lot of people tend to burn out at the end of sets or like even when they're doing pieces in general. Like when there is no knowledge of like where to breathe, where to decrease and increase energy. A lot of that comes from dance experience, but also how to, again, how to control that tool that you have. So 
We talked a little bit about training methods. Can you go into the different types of training methods? Yes. So uh, these are the methods that I learned through my performance enhancement specialization certification. There are eight main ones, but there are a little bit more that I haven't personally dived into. But uh, the main ones are, again, flexibility, cardiovascular, or people know it as cardio, strength, power, core, balance, sports specific. So specific sports have like different training. So like for baseball, there's pitching, batting. For dancers, it's taking class. And yeah, those are the main ones that I have learned and that I try to incorporate whenever I'm training uh, dancers specifically, but with anyone else, like anyone can use any of these things. Okay. So my questions are, what's the difference between strength and power? And then what's the difference between core and balance? Gotcha. So uh, the fancy way to uh, say strength training is integrated resistance. So that means using weights to resist or the body has to resist. So like using dumbbells for bicep curls, using machines for lat pull downs. Um, Basically, our body is trying to resist that integrated weight and that's where we get strength training from power also known as plyometrics that's the ability to use bursts of energy so when someone jumps onto a box that's the burst of energy that needs to also stop at the top or else you're one you're gonna like fall over and then also again just going from like zero to a hundred that type of training going from zero to a hundred to zero that's the whole acceleration deceleration type of training Mm -hmm. and then core and balance so balance training again what i said in the beginning is a lot of of like single leg stuff being able to balance like say on your left leg right arm type of situation so it's more of like a full body thing a lot of it is like using the legs using our arms using our core but again it's not fully our core core training So our core is like basically our trunk of the body. So like our chest, our abs, our obliques, or like the sides of our body, our back, our upper back. Everything attached to that is basically like a limb. So our arms, our legs, our neck and head. So core training is basically strengthening our trunk stability. So again, our trunk. Um, That way, our limbs are able to move with a very solid base. I guess... My question right now is like, you know how like the body improves the mind Mm -hmm. to an extent, but I feel like this relationship is like reciprocal, like your change in mentality or mindset will also improve like your body. Mm -hmm. In what ways do you think this relationship shows up in either the body or the mind? So I'm going to explain this from a personal viewpoint just because I for one have gone through changes whether it's uh, my body or my mind so I growing up I was absolutely underweight I was very like twiggy not so much meat on my bone Mm -hmm. I'm also very small I'm 4'11 so that didn't help either (laughs) I was very like insecure as a child even growing up into high school like I was very insecure with that mindset I started to kind of under underestimate myself 
with, is with a lot of things, whether it came to dance, whether it came to studying, mm-hmm. making friends even was very hard because of my mindset of and how I kind of hated my body. Mm-hmm. So when I began working out or when I began starting to take initiative on my health and my fitness, mm-hmm. I I realized improvement, uh, not just because my body started to look a little bit better, but I personally started to feel better. So because I started to eat more, I actually gained relationships through that. I was able to eat with friends, make friends. Let me start with that. (laughs) Started making friends because I was going out to eat with people. And then because I started to work out and started to study it, I also was able to help people also who had similar mindsets to me. And that in itself kind of motivated me and inspired me to keep doing what I'm doing. And that constant relationship of my body changing and my knowledge changing with my mindset of like who I am as a person and who I am as like a human, as a dancer, as an athlete, as an artist, all of that just became a cycle. And I feel like I'm in a very healthy place right now, mindset and body wise. So I think I think if the mind changes, the body will change alongside it, but then vice versa, if the body changes, the mindset will change alongside it also. Mm-hmm. So just from my understanding, because I'm I'm you know, I've never thought about like my relationship with eating. I guess like did your underweightness come <laughs> from like not eating and then like like why didn't why why didn't you eat? I guess is my question. <laughs> my underweightness <laughs> but uh, my underweight lifestyle had a lot of factors to it. So when I was a kid growing up for breakfast, I would have like whatever my parents kind of prepared for me. So it wasn't really much. It was maybe like some hot dogs or like Vienna sausages or spam, usual Filipino salty food. <laughs> um, but because I was not a morning person, I'm still not a morning person, but uh, because I wasn't a morning person, I barely ate. I would always just like wake up, change, and then you go to school or like eat if they forced me to. Um, and then for lunch, they would always pack me like some kind of sandwich. But because I went to a private school, like I would always look at my classmates' food and be like, damn, that looks nice. Like I wish I had that. And then I just wouldn't eat as a way to like rebel against my parents for some reason. I don't know. Children stuff. But yeah, that's this is like elementary school. I just I honestly just like didn't eat much because either one I didn't I felt like I didn't have the time. Two, I wanted to rebel because I wanted a better lunch. And then three, I think like I have this thing of eating when I eat, like I eat very slowly and then if I lose my appetite midway. I'm just like, all right, I don't want to finish my food. So that was me growing up. But then once I got to like middle school and high school, I just like, I felt like my stomach shriveled up so much to the point where I just couldn't eat a lot. So I don't think it was like a mentality thing per se. At first, it was just me like not wanting to eat, being like, a child throwing tamper tantrums all the time. Follow-up question is like, what made you want to eat eventually? I guess first thing was that whenever 
PD wanted to eat out, I would always just go and then watch people eat and like not socialize because of that. So one, I wanted to start to connect with people. And I feel like food is like very easy to bond over food, honestly. (laughs) And then two, once I started to realize like how underweight I was and how I wasn't like pleased with how I looked, I just wanted to gain weight, eat, look healthy, (laughs) be healthy. So that's when I started to make moves on trying to eat more. I'm honestly still working on it, but just being a trainer now, I'm constantly aware of like what I need. So I always try to, I try my best to eat throughout the day and I'm definitely doing a lot better than I was before. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's actually kind of surprising. Um, I feel like for dancers, especially, there's, you know, such a big emphasis on working out or like, or, okay, there's an emphasis on learning choreography or learning, you know, fundamentals. And then there's an Mm -hmm. emphasis on like working out. And I think like, the part of the conversation that sometimes isn't always talked about is like what we eat. And yeah, I don't know. We just don't talk enough about it. Yeah, and, it, and like eating really does influence how we feel about ourselves. And mm-hmm. I think I mentioned this before, but you have bacteria in your gut and they influence the way you think and your cravings. So sometimes your thoughts aren't even your own. They come from your gut. <laughs> <laughs> the bacteria in your gut anyways that's wild to think about I guess in what ways I, I know you kind of touched upon this but like in what ways does your personal journey with like fitness and eating have to do with how you're a trainer now and then how does that even like impact the way that you go about training so I definitely didn't think I'd be a trainer if I were to like thing back to like a year or two ago yeah I originally just wanted to be a massage therapist and that was it I finished school like in 2019 and I was like yeah I'm just gonna do a massage I'm gonna treat people make them feel good that was it but then I actually took a program over quarantine it was the dancers are athletes program with Carl Flores and Tanya Nguyen I definitely said her last name wrong, but <laughs> so I took that program and honestly, that completely shifted my career path. I mean, I, I became a trainer before that, but I only did it as like a way to make like extra money. Mm-hmm. I didn't really put too much thought into it, which is very bad, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, training with them and then just reflecting on my personal journey and then also my personal dance journey. I started to just put a lot of things together. So I believe the reason, I know know the reason that I'm studying and training how I am today is one, I want, I don't want people to feel the way that I felt about myself coming into high school and coming into college. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know, it just, it wasn't the greatest place for me, but at the same time, like, I just had such an unhealthy mindset, even though my body itself wasn't like, it wasn't like 
terrible. Like my health wasn't disgusting or it wasn't like bottom line, my health was okay. Like I was pretty healthy, mm-hmm. but because of my mindset, I looked at myself unhealthily and I just, I just couldn't stand that. Or like, it was just a very bad time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, one, I don't want people to feel the way that I felt. Two, I wanted to create a healthy relationship between fitness and just being a human. I feel like a lot, there's so much like misconception of like working out that a lot of people kind of just kind of like stray away from it. But it's honestly more than just building muscle, you know? Mm-hmm. Third thing was that I wanted to help dancers prevent injury or even recover from injury. I know of a lot of teammates or just people in general who had to stop dancing because of an injury or because their health wasn't the greatest for them to be dancing. Mm-hmm. Those were all situations that could have been prevented if dancers were taught properly, if dancers were taught how to kind of take care of themselves before they dance and while they dance or after they dance. And I just, I didn't want to see people kind of like stray away from their this hobby or like this passion because of something that could have been prevented, you know? Mm-hmm. Talking a little bit about misconceptions, what do you think it, you know, what do you think about working out or training that deters people from like wanting to do it? Is the aspect of time, money, and willingness. Uh, these are like the big three that I was taught drives clients away or like drives people away from the gym in general. And it's like, like, it's hard to combat those, um, just because obviously money is an issue for a lot of people. Time could be an issue for a lot of people. And then just being willing to put their health as a priority is sometimes kind of hard for people. But like, I, a big misconception is that we should be working out when we're young and then when we're older, like kind of putting it off just because it might be too much for the body. But if, People are constantly, not like full on working out like six times a week, but like if people are on top of their, of their body movement wise, strength wise, and then nutrition wise, like if people are on top of their body throughout their whole life, then when they're older, they don't need to rely on pain or like having people kind of walk them around, like being unable to do things. It's not something to worry about. I feel like when I think of working out or taking care of our bodies, it's always like, it seems like it's a lot of work to, you know, take the preventative steps, but like, it's a lot more work to like, be reactive, I guess, in a sense, like, when the problems start showing up, you know, it's, it's harder to, it's harder to solve the problem when it shows up. So it's Mm -hmm. easier to like, prevent it as a whole I feel like I guess like how do we start encouraging people to make their health a priority that's honestly a question that I ask myself a lot also I'm still relatively new to like personal training and coaching Mm -hmm. and I have come in contact with people who like say that they're interested but then once I kind of put down the spiel there's like okay I don't think I can really commit to this and then a lot of the reasons is because of those three things that I said earlier. So time, money, or commitment. Mm-hmm. I think it's just trying 
to explain it to people in a way where you're not exactly just trying to sell them on like what they're doing, but you're trying to sell them on what they're going to get out of it. So I'm a coach intern for uh, the Strength District. I started with them in January. Mm-hmm. And I've honestly learned so much already. Like they're, they emphasize a lot on results. And I feel like that was something I never really thought about. I would always try to be like, oh, yeah, we'll be doing this in the gym. And like we'll be doing all these fancy stuff um, to reach their goals. But they emphasized to me that like you need to give them a visual of what they're going to get out of it. So uh, selling them on results. So by doing this, you're going to, one, reach the goals that you gave us. Two, we're not trying to be with you forever. We want to teach you how to live healthier and how to take care of yourself so that later on in life, you don't have to rely on anyone. You just need to rely on what you know and literally just be independent. You know, I think that's just a big thing with trying to get people into making health their priority, like showing them what happens when you don't and then showing them what happens when you do. So obviously when you don't take your health as a priority, one, you're going to rely so much on medications later on, prescriptions, there's a high chance where you're going to end up either like constantly in and out of doctor's offices or even at the hospital, unfortunately. Like there's just a lot of things that we can do now that can prevent that type of lifestyle as we're older. Yep. And I think that's that's the big thing. I think humans as a whole is <laughs> kind of like flawed in a way where we, we if we don't see something happen, like it's it's almost like not a concern to us mm-hmm. you know and so like not being able to see how our current habits are going to impact our body is definitely like a really hard thing like even mm-hmm. outside of physical health I never just a personal story but I've never taken care of my teeth and now like I have the privilege of like having uh, dental care and a dentist who actually explains to me like hey if you keep up bad dental hygiene, all of these things are going to happen to you. Like it's proven, like I can see it happening. Like you should really be careful. And I was like, holy crap, I'm going to start taking care of my teeth. <laughs> and I, and I do really feel like a lot of the times that's also not communicated. You know, I never really learned why nutrition is good for me or like why working out is good for me. It, it was always a matter of, I have to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I honestly feel like even with nutrition, if I remember my my education as a kid, it was always like, you have to eat this and this and this and this, and then you'll have a good, healthy, balanced diet. But it's like, what does that even mean? You know, like, <laughs> I feel like that that was never really explained. Anyways, I want to briefly touch upon this because you, you kind of went through it really quickly, uh, just about your personal life. But like, why did you want to be a massage therapist? And then what about your program that you took? Mm-hmm. Like, what about that made you want to be a trainer or like be a, I guess, purpose-driven tra- trainer rather than just like doing that for money? Mm-hmm. The biggest, biggest reason why I got into massage therapy is actually because of my mom. Well, for like health reasons, her body wasn't the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she would always ask me to like, massager and stuff like that and this was before I started studying so like 
I would always massage her and then she'd feel okay afterwards. And I don't know, I think like that connection of being able to make someone feel better kind of stuck to me. So at first, I actually started going into physical therapy. I worked at a physical therapy office in 2018. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to, or I was, I think I was only doing like my general education stuff in college by then because the PT program required like specific courses to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first goal. But then I was introduced to massage, massage therapy through my physical therapy office. And I think I preferred that more. But yeah, that was like the big thing, a uh, big reason why I got into massage therapy. But then during rehearsals and stuff, people would be like, oh, like my back is tight or like, oh, my calf is like cramping up. So I would always kind of dive in there and be like, yeah, you got to do this. And then <laughs> how to help people. And it, it was just a good feeling being able to just use my hands to literally make people feel better. Mm-hmm. When I first spoke with Carl, I had like a little orientation call with him before I committed to the program. And he just asked me like a bunch of questions regarding my health or regarding like what I do as fitness. And while answering those questions, I was just like, you know, I never really thought about this as a dancer. I was never asked these questions. I never really thought about it in a way where like dancers should know these these things. Wait, what kind of questions did he ask you? It was just like questions about my general health and my general fitness. I guess like how experienced I was in fitness, reading my nutrition, reading my sleep, different things, honestly, that I honestly thought it was like I was talking to a doctor. Uh (laughs) It was like it was literally general questions about my health and fitness. And it was just like things that no one really asked me before. Once I got into the program and then we had like all these guest speakers come in to kind of talk about how fitness influenced their dancing, their careers. It started to really connect to me that like, like, holy crap, this is a thing, you know, like, why was I never taught this growing up as a dancer? Why, why is this not common sense in a way? Mm -hmm. I just like, it it just like blew my mind that like all these things that I'm learning right now, like, why wasn't I taught this before? Mm And it was also just like shocking to me that this was a one of a kind program. Like there's nothing else like this where these coaches, these trainers are like heavily catering to dancers because they realize that why is this not common knowledge for people? And this one little program like completely changed my mindset on like the connection of dancers and athletes. I feel like dance has this like duality of like being a creative and also being an athlete. And sometimes I feel like we focus on either or Mm -hmm. like you're either an athlete or you're either a creative, but like it's, it's a connection of both. Right. Going back to mindset and like create the creative aspect of it. Do you think there are ways that, you know, improving yourself as an athlete also improves you as a creative I definitely believe in that again kind of going back to why I started training Mm -hmm. the body is a dancer's tool 
I feel like if you start to attack limitations that your body has, like for myself, I know that like I had really bad, like tight, like I had tight hips, (laughs) like super tight. So whenever I did like feminine pieces or Afro pieces, I always saw that I was lacking in a way. And it's not because I didn't know the choreography or I didn't know the dance itself. Like I was pretty solid in that. It's just that my body was restricting me to be able to do do it properly. And so by us taking our fitness and our body into consideration, like if I knew how to reduce my hip my tight hips when I was there, then maybe I could have danced this a lot better and taken a lot more out of the class than worrying about why my hips aren't moving that way why can't I do this why can't I do that so by again creating a body that is able to be pliable and being able to do whatever your mind sets it to that helps in a creative way because now you have something that you can kind of mold to whatever you think of rather than like asking other dancers to do it for you you know Talking a little bit more about dance, because I feel like we, you know, besides you being a director, there's a lot more. (laughs) There's a lot more to your dance journey. I guess talk a little bit about that and then talk a little bit, I guess, about how your mindset or body has changed through your dance journey. So again, I started competitively dancing in 2008. So I was 11 12 years old like around there (laughs) yeah I started straight into Project D um reason being is because my brother was first on Project D I saw that he was having fun making friends so I was like oh I want to do that too uh auditioned and then I made it in from there I was literally the baby of the group I was literally the only like child amongst all these high school college full-time people Wow. Like everyone was old. <laughs> yeah. So like I didn't have much conversations. I was more so just overseeing and overhearing conversations. So my uh mentality back then was just to listen and do. So that was me probably until 2010. So in 2010, I actually went into PD's junior team by choice. They asked me, I was like, yeah, I'll just go. It was, it was people my age. So I was like, hey, I want to be with the cool kids, you know? So I joined Define Movement. Uh, they were PD's high school team. Mm-hmm. So I was with them from 2010 to 2014. During that time, I was a member, but then probably around 2014, I actually started to choreograph for them. Uh, I was like the little captain. So I had a little more of an authority figure. But then come 2014, I wasn't in high school anymore. So I went back into PD and then danced with them for, again, another three years. During that time, I was also the director of that high school team. So I was like a mix of a member and director. So I was actually very confusing having to be a director, but then also being like a member of a team. Mm-hmm. 
where I had to constantly switch that on and off. Like, oh, I need to be like some authority figure and then going to PD and being like, oh, I got to listen. <laughs> yeah. So that was a weird time, just constantly switching. And then come 2017, I became one of the artistic directors. That was also a confusing time because one, I was pretty much younger than everybody. I was still the youngest one. <laughs> um, and I honestly felt kind of weird being a director just because I was so young. <laughs> like I knew I had experience, but my age like definitely messed me up mentality wise. Mm-hmm. So I started directing PD in 2017. I honestly hit so many rough patches being a director. And it was just like me comparing myself too much. Like I love my co-directors. Like they were all very knowledgeable. They're all such great dancers and they have a lot to offer. But because of that, I always kind of had to question myself as to what can I offer besides being a voice or like just being like someone to tell people to do things, you know? So I had like that slight toxic mentality of like, I'm like the worst, worst director here. Like, I say that now and I'm just like, why did I do that? (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. I'm definitely still learning how to be a good director. Still trying to learn how to be a good leader. But with the support of my current co-directors, I definitely learned so much about myself. I'm accepting my journey, accepting my experience, and I know that what I have can be fruitful to other people, even if I don't see it that way. It's a a constant battle, but I'm definitely doing a lot better. In what ways does your directorship influence you as a trainer? And then in what ways do those two different roles like kind of differ? Honestly, being a director gave me a lot of people skills, social skills. And because of my experience as a director, kind of transitioning into training was a bit easier. Being able to talk to people, being able to be sympathetic with people, uh, being able to relate and stuff like that. Like, And then also how to speak to people. I think that plays a big, big role in both uh, knowing how to talk to people. How do you talk to people? I'm just curious. I feel like I'm very, uh, I'm very cautious of people's feelings because of how sensitive I was growing up. Like nowadays when I talk to people, I'm just like, is what I'm going to say going to hurt them? Is it going to make them feel better? Like I'm always, constantly thinking of how to say things to people so that I don't get misinterpreted I I feel like how we say things to people can create a lot of misunderstanding and um, when I try to get a point out there whether as a director or as a trainer you want to say it in a way that will make them understand what they're doing and make them understand why I'm saying it Um, makes sense and yeah I just It's just like a whole understanding point where I don't want people to think that I'm attacking them or like I'm not taking their feelings into consideration when like in reality, I like 
have 900 thoughts going through my head. Like, I hope they're not going to take this the wrong way, stuff like that. So I think that helps as a director and also as a trainer. Okay, before I interrupted you, we were talking about how those two things are different. Mm -hmm. So elaboration on that. As a director of a dance team, like, I have to take into consideration of 35 people, <laughs> yeah. uh, 35 different personalities, 35 different feelings, 35 different opinions. Um, and that is a lot <laughs> uh, yeah. for myself. Like, it's just because I, again, what I said earlier, like, I think so much to the point where, like, I, I honestly think like I'm fuming out the head with my brain, like trying to process everything. Being a director is definitely very tough. And then being a trainer or being the trainer that I am, I I usually only do like one-on-one. So it's like, I only have to worry about this one person at this time. So it's not, I'm not like all over the place, but I can really focus on this one person. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's that's like in general just easier to do? For myself, it's definitely easier to do. Um, I yes, I love being a director and I love what I do. But there there's many times and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. There are many times where I just kinda wanna like sit in the bathroom and like chill, avoid confrontation, avoid everything. But <clears throat> I guess like with all the hardships of being a director why do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> I do it for the same reason why I'm training. Um, I just want to help people. Um, I feel like because of, I was literally like that generation of people that started with ABDC and like dance wasn't too big yet. Like it only just started going on YouTube and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So like, a lot of people are just like, oh, you're such an OG, like a model. And it's like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm like, I'm just so young. Yeah. Um, but I feel like because I experienced so much, I want other people to really understand where PD came from. I'm like, I'm like super proud of where PD has come from. And like a lot of the times people tend to forget that like, a lot of these teams nowadays had a lot of hardships. Not every team was this glorious, you know? Yeah. So I feel like I have this duty to keep PD or to like, yeah, keep PD like knowing of like where we came from. And then again, just to tie it into training, it's just being able to help people either um, enhanced dancing as like a hobby or even to help people to like create it as a career like I want to just help 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 that's great I love I love listening to other people talk my gosh okay let's move forward a little bit um talking about I guess where are you now as a dancer and as an athlete or like as a director and as a trainer, like your current like goals or, you know, hardships, just where do you think you're at? <laughs> um, 
I mean, as of right now, it's very hard to be a director just because one, I'm not used to not seeing my teammates in person. Two, it's weird not preparing for a competition or a performance. <laughs> and then three, me and my co-directors are finding it kind of hard to keep people motivated through these times. Like even for ourselves, we tend to burn out just because like, like, what are we going to do? Like we only see them over Zoom and it's like, what else can we do? You know, mm-hmm. but I feel like we've been doing a good job. So we've been meeting with PD still since like October. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just been meeting over Zoom during like our usual rehearsal time. So it's like a little source of normal. <laughs> yeah. But we've been trying our best. Honestly, like what we've been doing with the team is very fruitful. Like we're kind of learning more about our dancers, learning more of like their creative side. Um, their mindset with dance, different things that we honestly couldn't do because we were always preparing for sets. So this was like a nice step back, even though we're still trying to figure out how to move forward. In my other conversation with Arnell, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about how like, you know, before before this time, dance is something that is uh, very product driven. So like competitions, putting out sets, putting out choreography. and the foundation of every team and every, I guess, studio dance dance organizations should be people driven, and so I think it's you know really nice that you you guys as PD are like trying to, I guess, understand your team members a little bit more through this time because it sounds like to me like it's not you know you guys aren't like putting out or trying really hard to like put out a lot of choreography. Or sets or you know anything so I think that's pretty cool I guess just talk a little bit more about you know like what what happens at rehearsals or like because I feel like you know a lot of directors and leaders are having the same issue it's like what do we do and should we even be doing anything you know because Mm -hmm. there's also to tie into everything right like the the honoring of like black culture which is to talk about it is easy to mm-hmm. do it is really hard mm-hmm. and that ties into everything else that is going on so you know mm-hmm. like how are you managing all of it <laughs> right it's a lot <laughs> but like how are you doing that while also I guess making space for yourself on top mm-hmm. of all of this so pd we haven't really been dancing dancing like we've only taught choreo once throughout these three months and that was honestly one of the hardest things ever like i think teaching online is like super hard so i'm i like respect those that do it and like do it well um so we try to avoid choreo or like anything as to what we used to do like I said before, this is kind of like a step back for us to where we don't need to be directors of a competitive team, but more so a directors of a collective of dancers. Different things that we've been doing involve giving assignments to our dancers where they can start to explore themselves. Again, like a lot of the times our dancers are so focused on whatever set that we throw at them that they don't exactly have the time or the mindset to even think about what they want or what 
are what they're capable of, basically. Like they can take class and stuff, but their main priority was always like the set. Yep. So we've been taking this time to again have them explore themselves. There was one assignment that I I like really liked. Uh, we assigned them a song, like one song and then one part. So it was like the the verse and the chorus. Mm-hmm. And we had all of them choreographed to that same length of the song. So when we all watched it together, we were able to kind of examine each other's styles and then also kind of pinpoint like things that they didn't even hear. So like this one person may have, uh, they might have like hit something completely different than this other person. And it's just like, it like sparked creativity in a way. That was one of my favorite assignments. Uh, it was definitely very fun to watch. Some other things that we were doing is to dive into us as creatives outside of dance. Mm-hmm. So recently we had someone come in. He's uh, like a very respectable videographer here. Uh, his name is Aiden Gibney. We had him speak to PD about how he comes up with his videos, his thought process behind it, and what what kind of work goes into this like two minute video. And it's honestly like, it was super eye opening. And he, um, he really emphasized that dancers should start to look at their work in a way that can be like a movie. Yeah. Like yeah. if, if you guys actually search up his work, like they're all super well thought out. They all have meanings to it that honestly, like he's, He's so good. <laughs> it's honestly like so good. He's so good at what he does. He basically unlocks another door for our dancers, like videography, photography, filmography, like all that stuff can really be incorporated to enhance dancers. Like when performances are captured through video, we tend to kind of fall off if the video quality is bad or like right. we tend to fall off if like the angle of the video is bad you know so like being able to understand lighting being able to understand video angles being able to understand what types of positions would capture a certain look like all of that is very like in the videography side of the world but when we do performances that require lighting not much dancers have that knowledge to know like what light would enhance their performance. So that was definitely like a super eye-opening uh, lecture. And then we had you come in, you know, talking about psychology with dance. Like that's honestly a subject that not any of us really thought about. And it really opened again, another way of thinking for our dancers. So, <laughs> that makes so me to challenge you just a little bit and then we'll move on when things open back up because they're you know they're they're actually coming close to doing so and you know when showcases uh, when things open back up as in like a lot of people are starting to get vaccinated and you know things are going to open up if not this year then next year and we go back to our dance events how are you thinking of if you thought about it uh implementing some of the things that you're doing now in the future so that we or at least for me it's like so that we don't just return to just learning choreography or like presenting sets Mm -hmm. um 
That's a good question. <laughs> At, I think only recently I've, I've just been thinking about uh, personally, I think that the form of normal as in like not wearing masks and being able to dance again is coming around sooner than later tbh and it's mm -hmm. not some and i feel like that's not a question at least that's a question on my mind i don't know if that's a question on other people's minds mm -hmm. it's just like how do we preserve some of the things that we learned from this period to implement into the future if i were to really imagine us like coming back into a studio and preparing for whatever we're preparing I think like this time really taught us that we were too like way too focused on competition mm -hmm. when we should have been taking several steps to one get to know our dancers to kind of dive into different things that isn't just dance and then <laughs> one of the major things I'm thinking of is like we all need to get back into shape <laughs> yeah for sure so I honestly think like I still believe that a lot of what we're doing nowadays will definitely input as we start to get back into this scene of dance teams and whatnot yeah yeah just been a question on my mind because I've been thinking a lot about it Mm -hmm. like there are a lot of teams right now that like just took a break and like haven't been meeting and it's like so much has happened within the past year uh that mm -hmm. like, are we prepared to implement all of the things that we learned in like a studio environment or like a team environment anyways mm -hmm. that was great Thank you so much. And we're going to go into the rapid fire questions. Um, okay, I asked you this before, but I don't know if it's changed or anything. <laughs> so, favorite piece you've ever done and why? Ah, favorite piece I've ever done was Jolly by Aesop Berg. I think I did this in 2000, 2015. Mm -hmm. No. No. <laughs> I forgot when I did it, but it was within these past, like, five years. But um, I think the reason why that's my favorite is, one, I really liked how it came out. <laughs> and then, two, it was the first piece that I ever choreographed for PD. Mm -hmm. And I think that holds, like, a special place in my heart just because, like, one, the directors trusted me. And then, two, my dancers fucking killed it. So I was like... <laughs> nice okay what is something that you had to unlearn in the past year I had to unlearn being overcritical of myself because for a major part of this year I honestly wasn't doing anything I constantly like over criticized myself for not doing anything mm -hmm. when I should have been I guess like more encouraging instead of being negative uh just because like who would have thought we would have been in a pandemic you know right like everyone's coping in their own ways everyone is going about it in their own ways just because i wasn't doing anything doesn't mean that i was being lazy or i wasn't just like 
or I was enjoying like not doing anything. It's just like that was my way of coping, honestly. Just like being able to actually sit down, think, not having to worry about so much where I can just literally focus on myself. And I think because I was so overcritical that for a good part of the past year, it was very unproductive. What is one moment recently, hopefully, that you can think of that brings you joy? Uh, my boyfriend getting a new dog. <laughs> it's like it's such a small dog, and like I have two gigantic dogs, so it was like a like a child in my hands. I was like, oh my god! Oh my god, that's so cute. Okay, complete the sentence. Dance is dance is my life. <laughs> You know, it's so weird. I felt you saying that. I was like, you say that for some reason. And I and then you said it. That was wild. Okay. Um, complete the sentence. I am. I am a human artist, athlete, and dancer. Love that. An org that you want to raise awareness to. So this is an organiz- organization that uh, PD has been wanting to donate to. So they're called the the blackout collective Mm -hmm. they basically like raise money to help activists uh they help like strategize for them and their movement i love that and they also help like give bail to people who are stuck in jail right now i just want to thank regina so much for being on my podcast it was such a fun and great time just like our trainings but not really because our trainings are you know I have a love-hate relationship with it, but I appreciate you for that, and I appreciate you for being on this podcast, and also for, you know, listening to me rant all the time as I train with you, and also inviting me to PD and helping me figure out these little steps as I figure out my way to host my podcast and do what I want to do, and seeing you do what you want to do and starting your a business of your own is truly amazing and inspiring. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week.